Hey everyone, I'm Annie Tevlin, founder of Skin Owl Skincare and your host of Off the Record, the podcast. What began as my search for meaningful dialogue in a diluted space has evolved into a magnetic epicenter of entrepreneurs, wellness experts, and influencers presenting vulnerability in a truly raw and transparent way. Join me every Monday as my guests and I dive deep into universal truths by way of humor, heartache, and hope. Now it's just you and me, I respect your privacy. What happens here when I believe this room? So lock the door, put me in, put a finger to my lips. Cause I can't say I got what I would do. Off the record with you. Happy holidays, guys. I hope this finds you having a wonderful, restful, uh, relaxing, inspiring December um, as we close out a decade. Uh, I've decided to take a couple weeks off here uh, to spend time with my son and my husband and my family and just revel in the end of the year. So um, as a result, we wanted to share our best of 2019 podcast. We have three weeks of our most downloaded episodes. Um, you might remember Dolvette, you might remember Kelly Levesque, and you might remember one of our first episodes, Meet the Founders, with Josh Rosebrook and Brandy Gillum from Thoughtfully Magazine. Uh, we are, you know, just so appreciative for the last year. I, I cannot believe that this podcast has now been over 70 episodes. Um, it's just a dream come true. I wanted to talk and share um, and open up to you guys in a myriad of ways. And we have done just that. And we have done that for so many people, uh, many of whom you will listen to again over the next three weeks. Um, wherever you are listening to this from, I wish you the most beautiful uh, end of 2019. And, um, and I hope you go into 2020 with a newfound I don't know, excitement and freedom and love for your life. Thank you so much for listening to Off the Record. Let's do it. Off the Record with you. So I'm going to need a minute to tell this gentleman everything I think I know about him and break down why I feel as honored as I do to interview him today. First of all, my excitement for today's interview has reached epic proportions. If my enthusiasm was a sport, it would be the World Series. If my elation was a song, it would be It's Raining Men. And if my eagerness was a natural disaster, it would most certainly be the Titanic. The actual iceberg ahead shipwreck of 1912, not the movie. The movie was lovely. And while I can say today's thrill stems from the fact that today's guest is the perfect mix of charisma, resilience, and emotional intelligence, it is in the quieter characteristics of New York Times bestseller, international keynote speaker, celebrity fitness trainer, and personal development expert, Dalvet Quince, that makes me want to leave my mark on celebrating him in the same way he's left a mark on so many people. Now, in true off-the-record style, let's kick things off by breaking down who Dalvet Quince is on paper. Born on August 20th, 1973 in Stamford, Connecticut, often referred to as the city that works, Dolvet started his career at the YMCA in Atlanta. With the aim of developing his career as a personal trainer, he launched his gym, Body Sculptor Inc., and eventually landed clients such as Angela Bassett, Janet Jackson, JoJo, Justin Bieber, uh, Jesse Williams, Ruben Studdard, Gabourey Sidibe, and the list goes on. But he is most often recognized for his seven seasons as a trainer on NBC's longtime hit television show, The Biggest Loser. 
Now, it is without question Dolvet is a highly decorated man, and never has there been someone so deserving. But what moved me to have Dolvet on the podcast was how personal and intimate his mission is. It is without question that this man's personal narrative weaves into his own experience with overcoming challenges, finding forgiveness, and building the mental and physical strength to do one of the hardest things in the human experience. Find peace in your past. The seeds of Dolvet's backstory began with an abusive family environment and the projects of Connecticut where fear dominated much of his childhood until one day, and in the words of Dolvet, God's whisper became louder than man's words. Dolvet found the courage to look fear in the face, starting with his father, and forgive. Now, when the fitness model was only five years of age, his, fa- his father abandoned his family. Dolvet's mother was primarily focused on getting his father back, so much so that she neglected Dolvet and his three siblings, eventually landing Dolvet in foster care and in the adoptive home of, of a Jamaican couple. In an interview with Uptown Magazine, Dolvet talks about his adoptive parents saying they were very old school with a you spare the rod, you spoil the child sort of mentality. So they only knew what they knew, and that was to beat it out of me. I'm only in the position that I'm in now because that experience gave me a voice at a very young age. And with that strength, I'm able to help the underdog, the weaker person, the woman, the child, the obese person, the athlete that can't get all the way to the finish line because I understand what it's like to still believe in yourself when no one else believes in you and to push that out of someone. This self-advocacy turned into two books of his own, countless keynotes and guest appearances on everything from the Steve Harvey show to CNN. Dolvet helps thousands of people overcome self-doubt by gifting them the brilliant cocktail of purpose and practice, allowing them to uncover their best path forward. They say, we teach what we must learn, and through my eyes, it is apparent that Dolvet has chosen a journey where his emotional healing, empowerment, and the choices he has made has inspired others to do the same. So, when not behind a TV camera or microphone or gracing the pages of Parade Magazine, GQ, or Men's Fitness, Dolvet can be found watching movies, reading a good book, behind a canvas painting with acrylics, or in a classroom taking courses in psychology, life coaching, and self-development. Ask him what he's most proud of, and he'll instantly share that his biggest success is the very close and coveted relationship he has with his adult son, Isaiah. So, I'm going to stop talking. I'm going to let Dolvet fill in the blanks, and I have a feeling we're going to feel a lot over the next 75 minutes, so, as he's smiling at me. So, without further ado, I'd like to welcome Dolvet Quince to the Off the Record studio today. Welcome, Dolvet. Thank you, Annie. I appreciate it so much. You know, Can I just say, yes. that was awesome. <laughs> I was like, wow, that guy sounds busy. <laughs> I know, and somehow you have the time to be here today. You know what I mean? I, <sighs> when wow. you hear that, does it feel like, like, well, I'll ask you this, what do you feel? Um... My ears, it sounds good to hear, but in my heart, I'm just getting started. You know, I feel like there's so many more lives to touch. There's so much more work to be done to really transform. I mean, mental health, for example, is still at an all-time high. So obviously there's more work, there's more digging to be dug. There's more trenches to to plow that path. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I, I want to start the interview today with <clears throat> the word home. Okay. Um, this is a word that I think has come up a lot just in conversations that I've been having with people lately. Like, how would you describe or how would you define the word home? What does that mean to you, knowing where you have come from, but then the life that you have created for yourself since then? When I say the word home, what does that mean to you? Home to me means a place where you harness your happiness where you 
feel safest, where love is elevated, um, where your future is really built, right? Because I think of home, I think when I say your future is really built, I think of my son who still lives in my home and our relationship provides a home. It's not a house, it's not a kind, it's a home. It's because of the love that's in it. Absolutely. Where would you say are, what are examples of home for you? Um, examples from home for myself or abroad? Yeah, and it could be like mental homes. Like where are places that you feel safe? Like when it's just time to kind of tuck your brain in or tuck yourself in, like where, where can you find home? In my mind. My mind is a home, a place for me in my heart. Um, I do a lot of praying. I do a lot of meditation. I do a lot of uh, um, self-work. And when I go within, that's home to me. I want to ask you what a day in the life is like for you. Like, yeah. I see you. Obviously, I've spent copious amounts of time researching you and voyeuring you on the internet. And I don't think that you strike me as someone who's always on. You know what I mean? I definitely don't get that. You are someone who, if you are called to say something of importance or that could be inspiring, you'll do it. And otherwise, you will retreat to your personal life and you have zero problem doing that. You're not missing out on anything by not broadcasting every aspect of your life. And I, for one, adore that mm. um, about you. So, you know, what is a day in the life with all these things on your resume? Um, what, is, what does life look like for you? like yesterday or a day over the past two weeks, start it's, to finish? How does it go? You know, it's funny you say that because I remember a couple years ago, my social media was just that. It was an exposure of me, you know, whether it be on television or the B BTS, the behind the scenes things that I'm doing with my partners and relationships and uh, my relationship with my son, some of my travel. But I've pivoted in that I use it now as a platform for good, a platform to really help people and inspire them and get them to start thinking outside of doubt, right? I think a lot of people live in a place of, well, I'll never be him or I'll never be her or we do so much admiration and not enough internal um, examination. So I, I, I probe questions and I, and I bring up points of view now uh, that really help people, I hope, to start to examine and also tweak and make changes. Um, it's not about just the physical. You know, that's, that's the, in my opinion, that's the third or the last thing on the spectrum of health. Um, so a day in a life for me is really just starting my day by working out, taking a couple of calls with some of those partners and friends and, and, um, than helping others, you know, uh, face to face. I, I love this. I love dialogue. I love connecting. I need that. Mm -hmm. I, I need it. somewhere in my day. I need like some people need breakfast. I need conversation. Yes. Right. I need connection because those two C's matter to my life to get through my day. Um, what time are you waking up? About seven a.m. Okay. Every morning. Yeah, I don't get up super early. You thought I was going to say like a 4 a.m. type of thing. <laughs> oh, that makes sense. No, I get, get my workout at 4. I take my calls around 6. I'm right. like, okay. Right, right. right. <laughs> Noted. I need to fix my life. <laughs> no, I get up about 6.37 a.m. every morning. Cool. Yeah. Okay, so you get in your workout. You take your calls. You're, you're, the day has started with conversation. And then how does it flow from there? Um, 
I'm building some projects right now. So they really take in my mind on how I could um, expand my gift and expand my purpose, right? I'm building a subscription-based page as we speak. That's a lot of work. I'm building two separate ones, actually, independent of that. I am finishing another book, which takes a lot of work. It doesn't, it doesn't, because how I work is I'll pick up my recorder and I'll speak to it. Um, um, her name is Tatiana and I pick up Tatiana and I say, listen, and we just kick it, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and how we just, and I just talk and I get those thoughts out and, uh, send them over to my people to transcript. Um, yeah. So it's something thought or self-development driven nine times out of 10. I love it. And then are you someone that cooks at home? Do you like to go out? Are you an early to, you know, early to sleep kind of guy? How does that um, usually flow? When I'm at my happiest, I'm cooking. I love to cook. That's how I express love. That's how I, that's how I, it calms me. It, it, you know, and I, I'm a reaction guy, right? So if I make a good dish, I'm sitting in the corner like, huh? What do you think? What did you like that? <laughs> was that good, right? That was good. Um, so yeah, I love to cook. And um, I, I'm cooking now more often. Uh, and I'll eat out once in a while, maybe yep. two, three times a week I eat out. But for the most part, I'm cooking. I, you know, I feel like um, with a, uh, my husband is in the fitness industry and we talk a lot about how, you know, what that looks like, I think, on the internet to mm -hmm. be a part of the fitness industry and how it can, it can go a myriad of ways. But sure. one of the ways it can go is, and we talked about this a little bit before we went on, on the mic, but it can be, I think, an indulgent and self-absorbing place and, um, vapid and it can just be about getting those abs and sometimes uh, many times the psychological component of what gets someone to a place of um putting on weight or not putting in the, the self-care and and just uh self-advocating mm -hmm. you know having higher expectations for yourself that you can accomplish something is left out and mm -hmm. it's just all about getting in that chisel how do you stay focused with how much you give to other people i mean in your your const your you're on the other end of giving and empowering and you know how do you stay focused on your mental preservation like what how do you get your eight hours of sleep at night knowing that you haven't overcompensated or overgiven? I'm naturally a happy guy, right? I'm naturally and from that happiness comes a certain calm and comes a certain acceptance that everything is going to be okay anyway even if things aren't okay in the moment, the, the support that I have within me is, oh, it's always gonna be okay. I've been through too much to not survive anything in my mind. Um, so my mental health comes from a very deep um, understanding of self, but then I get huge support from friends and family. You know, I purposely surround myself with people that inspire me. Um, I purposely surround myself with people that are uh, driven and ambitious, mm -hmm. and I lean on that. I lean into that. And uh, the conversations that I have, even in this conversation, I take it on and then I give it to someone else in the next. So to me, it's a constant woven thing that is continually connected. 
Absolutely. It's yeah. almost like the main question is like, who is your dull vet? Like, right. who are the people that keep you? Who are in your Instagram feed where you're like, yes, what yeah. that person said? Like, who's on your list of people that inspire you? Instagram feed. I just started following Jay Shetty. I think he was a former monk, married now, and saw him on a um, Red Table Talk. But I started following him before that because my good friend Chris Harder suggested that I do that. Um there's another young bro, brother that I follow. His name is Trentus or Trent Shelton, something like that. Um, sorry if I'm messing up your name, Trent. Um, I, he just seems like, to me, he comes from a very authentic place when he's motivating people. Um, or in real life. Or in real life. Yeah, I mean, screw Instagram. Right, like, who are right, that social media. My, my, my people right now uh, in real life are my good friend Dario Diaz, personal trainer, entrepreneur. My very good friend, Hame Watt. He's a venture capitalist, works for two separate firms. He just built his own foundry. Um, those conversations are great. Um, I think of uh, Chris Spencer, comedian, writer, someone who not only just keeps me laughing, but has a amazing relationship with his family and is a great dad and he, he travels and, and, you know, and just a kind human being. Um, I've grown very fond of Gabourey Sidibe. We've become fast friends. Um, I pick her mind with her career, mm -hmm. you know, about acting and, and, uh, and love and, and, uh, uh, travel, you know, so just really awesome yeah. people that Rich, are, you know, yeah. things that matter. Yeah. You know, just quality conversations, um, that, that aren't just surfaced around, oh my God, did you see what he was wearing or she was wearing? You know what I mean? It's, Absolutely. A, you know, you know, who's more fit than whom, who can do more burpees than whom. I, none of that really matters to me. It's not, a, I'm beyond that. You yes. know what I mean? I want quality it's like That's of life. a catalyst to do what you do. You know, it 100%. just so happens that people have insecurities about their bodies and their strength. Mm -hmm. And so you're able to tap into a deeper conversation, but have yeah. fitness be the catalyst to get to that other conversation. I think we all have um, insecurities about our, our bodies, right? Yes. But those people who have insecurities about their bodies tend to lean on the security of their mind. You know, I'm super intelligent, right? So it sort of like does this where it's on a scale where I lean more on this. The ultimate thing is to find balance and put and put attention to the things that you're not as good at so that you become good or become better. I, uh, when I was growing up, ripped abs, naturally big chest, big arms, God, I needed to work on my legs, right? So I would spend countless hours trying to build my legs up <laughs> just to make for now they're great. But you know what I mean? Yes. I paid attention to the weakness and it was like, how do I take this weakness and make it a strength. I apply that in every area of my life. If I'm not the most intellectual person about something, I'm gonna do research before I even open my mouth. Sometimes I want to open my mouth just to make sure I'm quiet enough to listen, to learn, so that the next time I speak to it, I come from a better place. I love that. I love that, and that is like a very teachable moment. I think anybody listening to this will take something from that. I wanna talk about your life growing up hmm. because it, while, you know, I hesitate to say while it defines you, it doesn't define you. It's just, um, it was a jumping off point for you to become the person that you were meant to be. 
Yeah. Um, uh, upon learning about your childhood, I remembered a friend who shared the following with me a few years back, and allow me to paraphrase. Forgiveness is giving up all hope of a better past. To accept that what happened happened. Choose to find at least some iota of understanding for the other person's actions, and, the and then decide if it's in your best interest to let it go and move on. If you spend the majority of your time making this person repeatedly earn your forgiveness, this relationship won't have a life in the present. It will just be a shadow of the past. It would be far kinder just to set this person free than to stay connected by a pain you refuse to release. Um, can you talk to me a little bit about your process of forgiveness with concern to your birth mother and father? Or if that is a part of the process? My process started out very, very young. I was a very, I was probably six or seven years old when I made a decision that nothing is going to stand in the way of my happiness. I was always a happy kid, right? I was never one to, and a class clown, and you know, I love making people laugh. I was never one to be so depressed that it owned me, right? And my circumstances said, you're not gonna be shit. This is it. Yep. <laughs> you're not, you're not going beyond this place. And that can haunt a child, right? But I found something out really early. If I start talking and facing my fears, and that's very broad, that's very broad, specifically meaning that if I was afraid of someone, for example, my father, maybe if I talk to him, that fear would go away. I think oftentimes we hide and we push stuff under a rug and we cover the rug and no one will know that dirt is there, that dust is there. No one will know, but you still know. You're laying down in the middle of the night and you wake up because that, that, those lumps are haunting you. You know it's there. But what if you pull that rug off and you start to examine that dust and that dirt, right? And you find a ball or you find a giant. say, oh, there's more to this dirt than I thought. All I had to do was look a little deeper or just take the rug away. That's what I did. I took the rug away early on. And a kid is fearless, right? Children are invincible in a lot of ways. That started the healing for me. It wasn't easy, I was scared, but I realized at a very young age, if you go to what you're scared in, you'll get more than if you hid from it. Hmm. So I go to what I'm afraid of. To this day, I'm afraid of heights, so I've repelled out of eight helicopters, you know what I mean? I've repelled over mountains and, and I've done crazy things because I'm afraid. And I use those tools to help people. Who am I to tell you not to be afraid or go beyond your norm or try new things if I don't do it to myself consistently? I've been doing that since I was six. Absolutely. Do you have strong memories of that time? Like when you think about your father leaving or your mother's mental state during that time or your first day in foster care, like how vivid are those memories for you? Some are more vivid than others. Some of it I block out, um, but I, I, I remember being in my home, we were in Martin Luther King Projects, 
in Bridgeport, Connecticut. And I remember the day where we got a knock on the door. My mom was not there. It was a social worker and two police officers. I remember the day that they came in and said, you guys are coming with us. I remember crying, say, who are these people? And I see police, I get scared. You know what I mean? All this stuff goes through my mind. And I remember my mom coming in after them and saying, you can't take my kids away from me. These are my babies. You can't take them. So, no, well, you've been warned. You left them here too many times um, on their own. We're taking them. I remember them grabbing me, my sister, my brothers, and saying, we have to go. I remember dropping my favorite teddy bear, Teddy. He was a blue teddy bear. I'll never forget that. And he was the last remaining person or thing that I had in that home that was left behind. I remember waking up in foster care, even sometimes after we got adopted, thinking about Teddy being there in the kitchen by himself. And I'm a kid. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I'm Teddy's thinking, real. Teddy's real to me. And Teddy misses me and I miss him and I miss my life. And now everything else is strange and foreign and new. And I don't know, I don't know who I am anymore. I don't know my own identity. I don't know these people. Right, I know my brothers and sisters next to me, but is everything going to be okay? And you, that social worker was responsible for keeping you and your siblings together. Actually, it was my aunt that was responsible. The social worker did her job. She was amazing, by the way. Um, But my aunt, because my sister and older brother were separated. We were separated for about two and a half, three weeks. Okay, They were in a different home than me and my younger brother. And that was the instant, like, put these two over here, put these two over here. My aunt kept going down to social services, kept knocking on doors and saying, these kids have to be raised together, no matter what. I mean, she rest in peace. She passed away. But she worked tirelessly for weeks until they found uh, foster care parents to take us in. And four of us were united, and it was magical, and it was great, and a whole bunch of kids inside the house but as those kids left six months seven months later those adopted parents said well we want to those foster care parents said we want to adopt the four of you so they they we were blessed enough to stay together and grow up together i think you've had a really um like well-rounded mind when it comes to that experience with this is the jamaican couple yep that are now your adopted adoptive parents at this point. Yep. And could you understand like the the method to their madness then? Like, okay, this is an old school mentality. This is the best, you know what I mean? I've just got to kind of endure this. This is the way they do it. And it's better than the alternative. Like, could you wrap your brain around, um, what's the word? Like the, just the whole operation or was it, um, was it, did abuse feel like abuse? at that point or were you able to make some sense out of it um i never truly understood the abusive part um but at the same time i also understood the huge age difference i understood the huge cultural difference right and i mean listen 
for whatever reason, Connecticut does this. They put my birth certificate on my birth certificate, my adopted mother's name and my adopted father's name, not my actual biological. Okay. Right. So if I showed you my birth certificate now, dad was 56 and mom was 51. A 51 year old woman is not about to have four kids, you know what I mean? Or a kid like me, you know what I mean? The third born. Um, so there was a huge age difference. There was a huge cultural difference. For as much as the pain and the, the uh, um, abuse happened, there were moments of laughter, right? There was moments of um, uh, big laughs and eating well and traveling and, uh, and uh, love. Yes. Love was, it was, it peaked in there, right? So I think that's where the well-roundedness comes from that you described me as having because it wasn't always all bad. And that to me is life. Right? There are people who are suffering right now who will say, I just can't get my weight right. I don't know what it is. But boy, did we have a great vacation last Easter or whatever it might be, right? There's balance there. You just have to lean on the good. I love that. Yeah. It's like anything in life, the best things in life have complexities. A hundred percent. And it makes you who you are. If I didn't if I didn't go through what I went through, I don't know that I'd have the path that I have. I don't know where, what I could really speak to or speak from, right? I use that as fuel to fuel me, to fire me, to, to show, hey, this is what I did. This could work for you. And if it can't work for you, maybe there's another way that it could work for you. So let's have that conversation. Absolutely. Um, I want to ask you in terms of your relationships with all of the people that we've mentioned, um, do you have a relationship at all with your birth father and mother? And what is your relationship now with your adoptive parents? Uh, my adoptive parents passed away. My birth mother, I do have a relationship with her. Um, actually, I just talked to her day before yesterday. Um, my adopt, my biological father, never met him. Don't know the guy. And he, your siblings haven't met him either? No one's met him. No, I mean, he could literally, from what my mother tells me, she says she thinks he's still alive and he may even have more kids. Um, I struggled about 20 years ago, so 15 years ago, where I really wanted to meet him. You know, I wanted to know, I wanted to look him in the face. I wanted to sort of examine him to see how much more I was, how I was like him. Because according to my entire family, I, I look the most like him, act the most like him. Um, I don't have that same struggle today. You know, it's sort of like, if I meet you, cool. If I don't, that's cool too. I, I have a good life. Yes. And I'm okay. Absolutely. I, um... I, first of all, I just want to thank you for being so candid about all of this. I have so many questions and it's just such a, you know, it's like finding that line between talking about something incessantly to the point that you think I think it defines you. But I think it's just, it it sets people free when you talk about this because there are people that will relate to you. And there are people listening that will never meet one of their parents and um, how to move forward from there, you know, if that is your reality. And um, my therapist during the, I was married before and went through a divorce and I was talking to her about a relationship in my life. And she had said, you know, that just might not be one of the things that you get in life, Annie, hmm. 
you know, you get all of these other things, but this kind of relationship that you're seeking with this specific person, you just might not get that. Hmm. And it was such a freeing statement to hear that like, oh yeah, you know, I don't, just because I want it so bad or I could hold up a mirror to this person and then we could work on things. It's like, that doesn't mean that it's actually going to go down like that. Have you, I mean, it sounds like you're in a place of just embracing the full story at this point. Is that accurate? That's 100% accurate, Annie. I think um, hatred is acidic to the soul, right? Yes. I think um, when you learn to forgive, you get this overwhelming abundance of freedom. You're not leaning on needs. They need to treat me like this. What you need to do, you need to act more like that. It's not my job to tell you what you need to do for me. I need to do for me. If I'm not happy with you, I need to leave you. (laughs) It's that simple, right? Wait, wait, that was pretty profound, but it's pretty simple. I... Put on my pants. You don't put them on for me, right? It's it's very much up to me. And in order for me to heal, in order for you to heal, you need to forgive what the other person needed to do. Otherwise, you'll always be caught in a comma. You know, it's Mm. like, comma it's like okay i can't sleep because comma this needs to be happening this way as opposed to period ask it's done that done that's done i accept it i forgive it it's done it's complete i can move i'm not stagnant anymore i got my mobility back you know and yeah man just gotta be able to do that at some point i mean what would you tell someone who was going through who had something like this in their life where they were like, I just, I can't move forward because these people are holding me back. And then we, you know, you say what you just said and you have the power to unleash yourself from that. What would you say to someone who's like, yeah, but I'm still angry or yeah, but like this person doesn't accept me. Yeah. But I, um, you know, I really need this person. Like sometimes the comma is you can embrace the things about them and you can understand that, that people have limits and that they're not going to change. But what do you do with the feelings that you still feel, the feelings that don't just fade to black when you remove that toxicity from your life? You, you do with the feelings, you know, you, you give them time to get to a better place, right? You do with the feelings what... <laughs> You just have to make a decision. That's the best way I can put it. And by the way, the decision doesn't happen overnight. It is a daily decision. I, the more reps I do, the stronger I get. Period. Right? And if my reps are every day, uh, Lisa, I forgive you. Lisa was never there for me. Lisa didn't understand how much love I gave her. But Lisa, I forgive you. 
Lisa, you're not ready for me yet, and that's okay. Lisa, I wish you the best. Whoa. That, those words right there is the ultimate dose of medicine that you can give your soul. I wish you the best. How can you say that to your enemy? How can you say that to someone you hate? Right? Hate is such a powerful word. You give someone enough power to dislike them. Do you know how powerful you've just made them? They have all the strength. But I wish you the best frees you from them. And it's a daily affirmation. I hope you're doing well. I'm doing great. I'm moving on. But then you have to put action with those words, right? You can't just say that and expect it to go away. You got to get up. You got to move around. You got to get outside. You got to ride a bike. You got to go for a swim. You got to work out. You got to connect with other people. You got to go out. You got to laugh. You got to dine at restaurants, have fun, drink. Spent not too much. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, because it's not about just saying I'm untouchable. Nobody can hurt me. No, you got to live a life with abundance, right? And you got to do things to, to ignite goodness back into you. Because if you just sit on, it's going to be okay. I forgive. You can't be stagnant. Move. Literally, and I promise you mentally you will, and then spiritually you will. That is, and I, there's so many lessons in life just on like that being mobile and moving and sweating or whatever it is for you. If it's a walk, if it's a, you know, if it's a kayak, I mean, whatever it is that you go and do that makes you move. For some reason, it's the hardest thing to remember that it, in 45 minutes after I do this, I'm going to feel literally like a whole fucking new person. Yeah. And by the way, scream, yell. <laughs> so I'm serious. Because sometimes we bottle so much in us. Hey, how's everything going? Oh, I'm great. You know good and well you're not great because you got that big ass lump in your throat. And the weight of things not working in your life, holding you down, weighing you. Have you ever been in a situation where you were unhappy? Yeah. And, but you didn't want the world to know you were unhappy. And you've hit, you hit behind the I'm okay and nothing's wrong. And that causes internal illness, be it ulcer be it cancer, be it skin, be it weight, be, whatever the category is, it's a byproduct of the pain you're holding on to. The pain has to come out some way. So scream, yell, run, right? Get it out of your system so that pressure bust pipes, so make sure that that pressure is released. Has that, has that been something that you've always been good at? I listen to this and I think to myself how long it's taken me to not necessarily highlight weaknesses because I don't mind highlighting weaknesses, but to be present in terms of how I actually feel. Like if you were to ask me how I am, do I really feel like I want to spend the time or bog you down with how shitty my day has been? So sometimes I just say, yeah, you know what? Things are good because that's emotional management. Mm -hmm. It's just the way that I can emotion, you know, manage our relationship and mm -hmm. the positivity right now. And it's also a way that I don't have to expel too much energy with something sure. that maybe I don't want to relive. Sure. But for you, someone who is so positive and inspiring people consistently and constantly, it's how... 
have you gotten okay with highlighting weaknesses or how do you communicate? You know, like, yeah, you know what? Today's a weird one. And how do pe- how is that met? Like, how do people respond to you if they're expecting Dolvet Quince? Like, he's, you know, he's got fear. He's got, he's taken life by the reins. Like, he's got it all figured out. Like, how do you navigate the gray? Talk it out. I find someone I trust. You got to have one person, maybe two people that you trust, that you have chosen, that you can pour your stuff into. They are so secure and they have so much room in their pot that they can handle what you pour in. Make sure that that person has a great pot. I love that. Nine times out of 10, if you have that person that you trust, then you, you're weaponized. Sometimes we pour our stuff on everybody and it just dilutes us even more because you don't have a chosen person or, or people that you could give that to. This is key and I can't stress this enough. Make sure that that relationship is a relationship and it's not someone you're venting to and you're expecting them to fix everything. Make sure as they have their water, your pot is filling up to take, you know what I mean? It has to be, because then you grow with. I have people in my life that are 20 years older than me, 25 years older than me, on purpose. They have 25 years of experience, so when I say to them, I don't know why she acted like this, baby, acted the, you remember old grandma? You go to grandma, grandma give you that old school wisdom, we don't have enough grandmas, man. I know. Grandma's moved on. She's transitioned. Get you someone who provides wisdom and a peace of mind that, can I run this by you real quick? Because this fucking guy's an asshole. <laughs> and, 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 and this is why he's an asshole. And, and the response is, girl, get rid of him. Their pot is shallow. Don't give it to them. The person that you give your pain to will listen to you, but also give you a perspective of their point of view so that you can see their mind, their heart, so you can see their heart as well as yours. Sometimes we choose people that we tell our deepest stuff to just so that we can be right. I'm listening to you And I'm thinking, what an epidemic we're living in where people aren't, you know, you don't have the undivided attention of people and people aren't listening and invested in you. We have a lot of people surrounding us that are in the same bucket. Maybe we can go get drinks with them, go have dinner, vent, surface level level complaints. But someone who, and just from personal experience, I think I've built at a certain time in my life, I built people around me that... I was helping. And when it came down to me needing help, I didn't respect those people enough to put my shit on them. Because no. I was like, man, you're a, not that you're a head case, right. but like you have come you're to more me. You're fucked was, than me. Yeah. Like, right. I, and, and my therapist and my parents at the time were like, you're going to, you know, if once we go and your brother goes, like you're going to flatline. 
You need to find people that you mm. respect more than yourself. Mm. And you need to find people whose advice is better than yours because you will flat line. You will mm. be alone mm. in life if you don't find people that you look up to. Right. And that is like the greatest advice I was ever given. And you are now uh, seconding that. It's like you got to find people that you look up to and are your mentors. And otherwise, we're surrounding ourselves with people that are, you know, quick fixes. Yeah, that make us feel better just in the moment because we got to vent. But the main, the, the main pain, it, it's still, it's still there. What's the point of venting with no solution at the end of it? What's the point? Well, I got that off my chest. I said it, but then I say it again, and then I say it again, and I say, you know, and so I'm, I'm this dog chasing its own tail. You need to find the whole purpose of being alive is to find a solution. I'm in constant search of solutions. Why do you work out so much? Solutions. Why do you eat so good? Solutions. Right? Why are you so deep? Why do you always want to have deep conversations? Solutions. Why do you love so much the way you love? Like when you love her, you love her. Solutions. That's what drives me. I want to be better. So wherever you are in your life... That's what you attract. And I said the other day, I was having a talk with someone and someone said to me, um, you, live in, you were in Atlanta for years. Like, why do you live in LA? That place sucks. People there are weird and they're dead. And you get all this bad rap. And I said to him, no, it's not that bad. It's not as bad as you think. I think there's weirdness everywhere, to be honest with you. But I think you attract who you are no matter where you are. So if you put me in Wyoming, I'm going to find some dope people in Wyoming. They're just going to be cool. They're going to be grounded and centered and ambitious. So wherever I am in life, that's what I bring in. Absolutely. Right? Those people will flock to you and you will flock to them. No matter what. So our journey in this life that we've been given is to get better at being better. Right? Every day. Every day. So that's an action phrase. Right? It isn't an umbrella overall. I'm going to yes. get better at being better because I, I know I have, it's emotion I have to do. And so I'm going to start working on me. And as I work on me, all of a sudden I'm attracting people that are working on them. And then I'm going to find that icon, that icon that has that big pot, that 15 year older, 20 year older individual that has years of experience and is grounded and their vibration is on point and they're spiritually sound, right? They're well-traveled. That's key. I don't yes. like talking to people who aren't well-traveled. <laughs> I just don't. <laughs> I like people <laughs> that have seen the world. Yeah, but this isn't it. This you know isn't I mean? it. This is a, there's a whole world out there of history and experiences and it just opens your mind it really does it and every time you travel you feel that yeah you're like i have the world's greatest perspective and then yeah it's an activity try new foods try new cultures have and by the way traveling doesn't mean you have to have an um, a hum, insane amount of money you have to travel like that not everyone has that you can travel in a moment you can have a conversation that you created. And all of a sudden, 
figuratively speaking, you're sitting first class next to someone and you're having an amazing conversation. All of a sudden your mind is traveling because you're seeing the world through their eyes, yes. right? There's another way to travel. There's a, there's, a, there's a very, that same emotion that I get when I travel, I can get in this moment because I walk away feeling like enlightened and, and um, just better about knowing you and getting to know you. Right and seeing the world through your eyes and understanding your story, so you open up my mind the same way walking in the ocean could open up my mind. So always be willing to travel. I love that. Um, okay, so you said the word love. Yes. I read online that you said the following, <clears throat> and always tell me if this is not if this is not you who said this. But the internet said that you said it, so I'm going to believe it. <laughs> the next. That's that's how I live my life. If the internet says that it's true, damn it's, it, it's, it's true. true. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a Renaissance man. Yeah. People don't know that about me. Growing up, I watched James Bond. I wanted to be Sean Connery, Denzel Washington, Billy D. Williams, because these guys spoke to me. Those guys know art. They know nice cars, the right watch, the right suit. I say this to my son, be a gentleman. There will be girls in your life who will say, what are you doing that for? It doesn't matter. You do it for you. The young lady that appreciates it, she deserves it. So I got to ask, what role does romance play in your life now? And has it been an easy road for you with everything that you've experienced? Romance, <laughs> romance is, <laughs> is great. I, I'm a very naturally romantic man. I just am. I love, um, I love elevating her. I love making her and honoring her and making sure that she feels special because if you're my choice, I'm, I'm going to remind you. Um, yeah, I'm super, super, super romantic person. I think actions matter. How has, um, how has it been navigating that in Los Angeles? Talking about LA because I know it's <laughs> it's tough, and I have friends who are I'm 38 years old, right. and I think right. if maybe they lived in other places, they might not be single. Maybe, um, but who knows? It's also a weird time with um, connection and vulnerability and commitment. Sure. Um, uh, what is that like for you? Um, it's been a trip. <laughs> it's had its ups and downs, but I found some peace. I think. Uh, um, I, I think I'm only thinking of two separate situations where I was in a relationship, <laughs> head over heels with this girl, and she just disappeared, just went ghost, right? And I think that's really easy for some people. It's never happened to me before. And I think it's really easy for some people just to run away. You know how easy it is just to turn your back and go away? as opposed to explaining how difficult is it for some people? Well, the reason I'm making this decision is because, finish that sentence. Most people can't do that, right? They'd rather talk about you than talk to you. That's a scary thought. And I've experienced that in LA with various people, but I don't really put that on them. Yeah. And it, you know what I mean? I put that on me. You know, I, I chose her because of because of her beautiful face and her dope body and all those stuff. And, you know, and I found out later that the inside didn't match the outside. 
You know? I guess like that's such a good question, like a good segue. When you think about what matters to you now and how you've evolved, like what are things that you want in a partner? Yeah. I, I look for, I look for a few things. I look for someone who's confident and that comes in waves, but consistently confident, you know, um, just about who they are and they're grounded. And they're like, this is me. Love me or leave me alone. I look for a, a humor and um, um, love of others is key for me. It's huge for me. You may treat me like a king, but if you turn around and treat people mean or fake or, oh, okay. So you're really not an angel, right? Huge. That's huge for me. Uh, someone has a love of family. It's ambitious and driven and super funny and silly because I'm all those things. You know, I don't take anything too serious, although I am a serious person, right? Yes. I love a good sense of humor and I love someone who loves music and loves to dance. These are, these are things that matter. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> oh my God, fun. You ever, you ever meet somebody and because of their music selection, you knew you couldn't vibe with them? Uh, most times. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? I mean, nothing against... The 90% of the men that I have dated, right. but music is a massive thing for me. I it's think how it's I huge. It is, I mean, it's like aside from how much what you feel when you listen to it and the nostalgia that surrounds you with music, it's like music communicated in ways that I couldn't when I was younger. So ding, the, song, ding, ding. the song did the talking, exactly. so I'm indebted to music. I don't know who would have done the talking without music. So, like, if then all of a sudden someone says that they, and I, I, I couldn't even give you an example, but maybe like death metal is not something that's usually on my Stop repertoire. Stop that. I, mm -mm. Mm -mm. And Can't it's no, no hate towards someone who loves it because they love it in the same way that I, you know, I was raised on soul music by my dad. Yep. He grew up in a predominantly black neighborhood in Philadelphia and Otis Redding and Wilson Pickett and the Temptations, all of these things were chugging through the house. And I thought that that was music that had meaning and it right. had a heart and soul. Right. And if and the people that I've dated that are like, oh God, that's like fuddy duddy old timers music. I don't think there you would be a place so. to go from there. Right, I agree a thousand percent. <laughs> I remember I dated a girl who just loved EDM music, and I'm I'm like you, I'm a soulful guy. I love R and B and hip hop and lyrics with with um, substance and just you know I love to dance. And I just couldn't do it, you know. Where do you I, go? I wanted, where do you go? Like you. <laughs> She's in the shower listening to EDM. I'm supposed to do, do, you know, where's my glow stick? No, I can't do that. I want to, I want to get to the, yes, the, the heart of the shit. matter. Yeah, man. That's <laughs> funny. Anyway, yeah, I, I, I digress, but I was going somewhere with that. <laughs> Got to connect with you, man. Are you, um, and this is where I'll leave it. I feel like this is like an e news thing. Are you actively dating now or are you looking? I'm dating. Great. Yeah, someone. Well, I mean, that's great for the people you're dating. That's not great for the people. No, that... not people, person. Dating a person. Okay, I'm gonna let I'm gonna let you she's keep a, that. She's amazing. Do you <laughs> want to talk about her? <laughs> she's she's amazing. I'll leave that. I'll leave it there. I love that. Okay, let's um, talk about someone else who's amazing. I want to talk about the relationship you have with your son. Yes, which is so awesome yeah. to witness um, online, mm. and and I love that. That, that he's an adult, yep. that you're having an adult relationship with someone like while you're at like the peak of your mental, you know what I mean? Not to say that you're not going to keep growing and evolving, but like for, from where you are right now to be able to have that relationship with an adult son, that's what 
motivates me to have a child. Mm. I mean, I don't know if I'm necessarily a baby person, but when I look at the relationship that I have with my parents now, mm. I'm invested in the long road. So what is what has that been like for you, having a son throughout all of this evolution? Congratulations to you and your husband. Thank you. By the way. Um, um, it's been amazing. It's, it's, it, my relationship with my son is the same relationship I've always wanted to have with my dad. And I think that's why I worked so hard on it or worked so hard. It's not hard work anymore. I worked so hard on it is, uh, because I didn't have it. I always say that our parents teach us one of two things, what to be or what not to be, just based on their actions. And so my fathers taught me what not to be, but also gave me some what to be, right? And I, I use both of those things for my relationship with Isaiah. And it's not easy. There is no relationship outside of the one, you, even the one you have with yourself, that's easy. But my willingness and desire to make it great is so strong, I love it. Like I literally to this day have conversations with him to make him better which in turn makes me better. And now he's turning around, around giving me advice now. So we have this whole, it's crazy. I can't go anywhere with this guy because they're like, are you guys brothers or, you know? And I've grown women trying to talk to him. Andy, what's that about? That's something you're going to have to deal with for the rest I of mean, your life. Grown. It's only I'm saying 38 years old, he's 22, asking him out on dates. Well, if I am to jog our memory back to 10 minutes ago, you're seeking these older relationships and he's like this. Oh, okay, I get it, Dad. Oh, he's going to learn. He got you. He said, I got you, Bob. So I'm learning all the way. Nah, but he, he's a very, um, he's so cool. He's so smart. He's funny. He's driven. Yeah. What are his favorite things about you? Oh, you got to ask him that. <laughs> Um, if you had to guess, like what he loves about his relationship with you, you know, what he um, can would, take from that relationship. I would hope that he's inspired by how hard I go every single day. I hope that he's inspired by me investing as much time in people as I do in myself. I hope he's inspired by the way I take care of myself. Um and all the layers of what that means. Um, but mostly um, just kindness, you know? I hope that he sees kindness through me and he uses it himself, which I see him do all the time. He's such a dope, dope, dope guy. Are you guys alike? Are you very similar? Are we different? We're different. We're alike in our sense of humor, where we, we communicate well, because everything is sort of um, effortless with our communication, sort of like hip hop, it's just like da 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 da. Yeah, you know, we just the way we do it, do our thing. Um, but we're different too. We're very different. He's more laid back. I'm very direct. You know what I mean? He's a um, he's a rock going down a hill strategically, finding ways, and then moving. I'm a big-ass fucking boulder, just whoop. <laughs> that scene in Indiana Jones. <laughs> like, ah, here goes exactly. <laughs> Cue Indiana Jones. That's a thousand percent me. Do you, um, do you see yourself getting married or having more children, knowing what you know about having one child? 
Absolutely. That to me is heaven on earth. You're open to that. I'm a thousand percent open to being so cool. married, to having more kids. Um, asked Isaiah the other day, actually, I was like, yo, you know, I'm a young dad. What do you think about me having another kid? He said, oh, that's cool, I guess. As long as it's not a brother, like a little sister, maybe, because he already has eight brothers. Um, yeah, I can see myself doing that. You're like, we can't predict that? I mean, we can't. Well, actually, who knows? Who knows? No, I you think can do you anything. actually can. What can't be done today? You know what I mean? <laughs> I'll take a girl. I'll take a girl. Thank you. I'm going to order a girl today. <laughs> yes. Big brown eyes. Thank you. <laughs> okay. So I want to get, I mean, everything you say is inspirational. I'll say it. Like, uh, it, it's just, there's always an anecdote. There's always a higher a higher power to the thoughts that you have and and you have like you know a mandate you have a certain way about you that's just you command a certain presence and um it's very easy to i walk i'm i have a feeling i will walk away from this conversation like most do which is like yeah it could all be so simple hmm. you know what i mean if i could look at it the way that you have looked at things everything just gets simplified mm -hmm. um and it makes things that are normally completely unapproachable and scary and and a, and a mountain in our minds um, uh, approachable, such as food and fitness. And um, you said, uh, you know, friendship is based on give and take. What is your relationship to food? Do you control what happens or are you hypnotized into your decision? Mm -hmm. And that stuck out to me. That is a big thought. Why? Because... You know, food has always been a soother for me. Food has always, I'm Jewish. My, it was a clean your plate mentality in a certain way growing up. It was, we always had dessert. We always ate food as a family around the dinner table. So for me, food is the catalyst to a good time. Mm. There's not a lot of um, bad memories when it comes to food. I, I didn't have any known eating disorders or issues with um, binging or anorexia or things of that nature. I just, I always ate maybe a little bit more than I should because from a very young age, I had more scooped onto my plate. And it was always one of those things, like having a Jewish mother, it was like your skin and bones, like eat the, you eat it, eat it, you it's know? A celebration. You, it was this a is, celebration. Yeah. And so I think in a certain way, that innocent start to food being a celebration eventually be, became a place that I could control. It was like, well, if this thing pissed me off, or if this was sad, or if this was hard, I can go to this plate of food, which isn't going to talk back, which I can decide the terms, mm -hmm. I can decide how much is too much. And so, you know, you have the and I hate saying like you have the second or third cookie, it's not it wasn't that specific. It was just, it's just the way that I view it. Mm. It's a happy place. It's mm -hmm. a good place. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, being 10, 15 pounds, sometimes 20 pounds heavier than I wanted to be, oh, it, it never held me back from the things, from getting things in my life. Okay. I always got the guy or the job or the this or the that, so I never put too much of a focus on it. But I, I read that. And do you control what happens or are you hypnotized into your decision? Mm -hmm. And I would say I'm the latter. Mm -hmm. Like I am hypnotized by the illusion and by what I think it could give to me. Your hypnosis comes from habit. It's what you were taught since you were a little girl. A second portion is okay. Dessert be after every meal is okay, right? Now, if you're looking for change, as you get older, as you mature, 
and you want to make changes, you have to really reprogram years and years of habit. Yes. That's where the difficulty lies. I, I'm a 20-year vet on the way I eat. Now for these next 20 years, I have to switch it up. Do you switch up the habits? Do you change your mentality? Do you hire a nutritionist? What's going to make you successful to reach the goal? By the way, what's the goal? Oftentimes, people's goals are based on a moment. Summer's here. I got to lean down. Well, it's wintertime now. I can eat whatever I want. Holidays are, are here, so I'm going to eat this around the holidays, right? We categorize our eating habits. Okay, we're all guilty of that. We all do that. Because we look at food as a celebration. We don't necessarily look at it as nutrition. People that look at food as, as nutrition are probably suffering from something. I changed my eating habits because I was type 2 diabetic. I had high cholesterol. I had cancer. I had, and all those things, the way I ate healed me, right? So we wait till something goes wrong before we <laughs> make it right. Yes. That's a bad thing. Hence why I wrote my book, 3121 Diet, the very first book. Those numbers represent an eating pattern. Eat clean for three days, cheat on one day. Go back for two days and eat clean, and then on one day, cheat again. I have a seven-day program that enables me to indulge, but I earn it. As opposed to every single day, the same thing. Subconsciously, I feel guilty when I eat dessert. I honestly do. Whereas some people, when they eat dessert, it's like, yes, finally. If I have a big meal, it's like, what do you want for dessert? I actually feel guilty. Like, but I had all these other things. Right. Why am I going to keep adding? Right? I feel guilty. Not to say that that's for everyone. It's just what works for me. Right? That's past your line. It's past my line. I think advice I used to tell people all the time, you should have absolutes. And what's that? I absolutely will not have bread when I sit down at a, at a dining experience. I just won't have it. Everyone else can have it. That's my absolute. Won't do it. Right? I absolutely won't eat white bread. I'm going to go to something uh, brown, something with colors, something with nuts, something with grain. Right? Just my own. So if you can create absolutes, it makes a percentage of difference. I am sitting here thinking, my God, you know, let's say if I put something like that on social media, and 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 I agree with you, let me preface it with that, people would come back and be like, oh my God, you know, like, you don't, why, why are you placing absolutes on your life? Like, have more freedom and look at it with more compassion. And if you want the bread, have the bread. Don't absolutely always, you know, never have the bread. And the reality is that that might work for some people, but, and I've said this on a recent podcast, when you're dealing with a food relationship, it's like taking a tiger out for a walk every day <laughs> because we're not talking about heroin. Mm -hmm. We're not talking about gambling or cocaine. We're mm -hmm. talking about something that I actually need to eat every day in order to survive. Mm -hmm. Yet you're asking me to have a healthy relationship with it when I maybe don't. Right. So absolutes are, are, are necessary for some people if it's an addiction, 
or if it's an unhealthy relationship. Nine times out of ten, the person that told you, what's wrong with you? Have freedom. Don't put absolutes. They, they have too much room for freedom, right? They, they don't have probably a lot of discipline in areas. Or to your point, genetically, they can afford it, right? Yeah. Everything isn't for everyone. You have specific goals. You have specific restrictions. Adhere to them. Had, do I, have I ever sat down at dinner and had bread? Yes, of course. But I've leaned so much on my absolute, I actually earned that moment. I'm not saying be restrictive. I'm not saying restrict yourself from never knowing what pizza tastes like again. That's, that's too extreme. What I'm saying is, if I lean towards great choices that give me energy, that fuel me, that make me sleep better and wake up more energetically, then every now and then I'm going to have some pizza. Yeah. And I'm going to sit down. I was just on vacation in Mexico. Sat down to dinner. Oh, there's some bread there. Is it warm? I'll have some. I'm on vacation. There's balance of life, but I guarantee you I earned it. What is a cheat meal, so to speak, for you? Because I saw you and I connected with this immediately and I loved you more because of it. You were like, if my birthday, if I was not a Leo and my birthday was not in, I'm assuming it's August. August. Yeah, August. Mm -hmm. I know that. August 20th. August 20th. Yeah. Good. <laughs> Good memory. Um, it would be National Carrot Cake Day. And I was like, Facts. respect. That is Facts. my favorite cake in the world. And people fuck wait, it up so easily. Wait, wait, did we just become best friends? <laughs> we did. I think, is this a moment right now? Is this happening? Instead of a thank you card, I'm sending you my favorite carrot cake in town. I'm not going to tell you where it's from. I'm just going to be like, but maybe I won't because I don't know right. if that's past your line because you're maybe you're not doing dessert that week. But I will make sure that Tiffany talks to your people and I will make sure the carrot cake, a slice of it, a thin slice arrives at the perfect time. Um what is your, like, when you're like, okay, I'm on vacation, like, not, I'm not going to say what is your cheat meal, but what are the things that you'd love to eat? I love Italian food, so I love pastas. Love, 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 love pastas. Um, but even now I find myself, is it gluten-free? Is it spinach? <laughs> Instead of, I find myself tweaking it because I'm so programmed to swap stuff. Um, uh, what else do I love? I love a good burger. I love a good burger and fries. Like, fuck that. It's good, <laughs> right? Right? And, and I think one of my indulgences that I, I, I don't think a lot of people know, uh, wings. <laughs> I love me some wings. Yes. Lemon pepper, forget about it. Which I haven't had in a long time, come to think of it. Now that I said it out loud. I haven't had that in a minute. Sometimes I feel like that's an East Coast thing, too. I was Could raised be. back East, and like wings were just everywhere. The thing. Yeah, yeah. Could be. Yeah. So good. So good. What Come are your favorite sure. places to go and eat in town? Um, I like Wally's. I like uh, Gelini's. Gelini's in Venice. Gelini's in Venice. Yeah. Um, I like John and Vinny's. Can you tell where I'm yes. going now with the pastas? Um, <laughs> But I like creation sometimes too. Yeah. They're kind of cool. 
when I do go. What else do I like? People are writing this down like, okay. Right, check and check, check, uh -huh. check. I'll find them here. I'll find them there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You can always find me at Whole Foods. What day always. of the week do you like to go to Whole Foods? I'm just kidding. All right, right, right. Usually on Mondays and Thursdays, <laughs> I'm in Whole Foods. Nine times out of ten. Amazing. I I mean, so it's been an hour and ten minutes. Yeah. And there's so much more that to uncover. Wow. It go. It went. It like sprinted by. I want to just round this podcast out with um you know what what essentially do you want people to know about you like all all bullshit yeah. all profession everything aside like your life you as a little boy who you are now like not necessarily epitaph related but just what do you not what do you want not to get twisted about who you are as a person in your soul? That's a great question. No pressure. Uh, no pressure. Um the other day I went to the store. Um World Cost or Cost Market, whatever the fuck it was. And I saw this board, sort of like this um this board that's velcro almost and you can put letters in it so you have all these plastic letters that you can rip them off and you can it has the backs to them and you can press in and you can create a like in school you can create a message the message that i put in it just came to me was lead with love lead with love don't know why those words were there i remember coming here today leaving my house and looking up and I put it right there in my kitchen. Lead with love. I want people to think of me and think of that phrase. He leads with love. Everything that I do, every conversation, every intention, every core fiber of my soul is leading with love first. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's an amazing note to end on. Um, I know you have a third book. I know you are, you know, in the midst of creating a podcast. Mm -hmm. um, is there anything you can share with us about launch dates or getting people excited about either of those ventures? Because I imagine they are going to be incredible. Thank you so much. Um, I'm excited. Uh, I, I'm excited about launching the book the beginning of the, of the new year i'm excited about the podcast i'm working hard on it the next few weeks two and a half weeks maybe three i'm just doing so much right now i just gotta find you know what i gotta find time i gotta sit down like you <laughs> sat down a year ago almost a year ago today and said damn it i'm doing this yeah right i just i, I need to create a situation maybe i can just use this on days you're not using it please and oh my we god, just, we got an we engineer. We got, got the setup. This place is amazing. Done. Yeah. Deal? I, I, deal. A hundred percent. Done. Well, my podcast starts sooner than I think. <laughs> that answers that question. Matt, did you hear that? Matt, I want I, I want to set this up, man. 
People I don't know do him this. as Matt, and this is a whole Matt, thing. Matt, you ready for this? People know let's him go. as... Let's go. Let's work, brother. <laughs> People know him as Fartstorm, and that's a whole other thing. <laughs> wow. And he didn't give it to himself. I, My husband and I gave it to him, and now it's just like the I actually letter. don't want to know that story. I could, <laughs> I could actually care less about that entire... By, by the way... The less I know about that story, the more I'm going to like Matt. So <laughs> You're like, don't tell me any part of that story 100% of the time. Never. We're together. Ne- keep it, you know what? I want one <laughs> sentence and that's enough. Thank so you. So it's Matt. Matt the engineer. Um, well, I, I, you know, I, you shouldn't play favorites hmm. and that's fine. But I have to say there was something intuitively that I just don't know. Ever since like Tiffany and I started talking about you... It was just like, this is going to be one of the most special people I think I'm ever going to meet. And it is an honor of mine in my life when I look at my timeline to be able to learn about you Mm. and talk about you and celebrate you. And while I'm sure you get that kind of accolade and attention a lot because of what you do for people, um, I do hope that you know how much your life has affected people and and how the things that you say and the things that you do specifically have um, left a mark on this world. Mm. And that's something you never, ever have to worry about, you know, and life will always end too soon, I think, for you because your work is never done. Mm. But you should know that when it's all said and done and you're looking at the white light at the end of the tunnel – you are on the good side of history and you're just a, an incredible person and one that I am honored to know. Thank you so much. And um, yeah, I'll leave you know, it at that. Sin- sincerely. I appreciate <laughs> you saying that. You didn't have to say any of that. And the fact that you said it is great and it definitely fuels me and warms me up. Um, and congratulations on your 28 week. Oh my God. I was hoping you would notice my abs. Yeah. Congrats. Thank you. I've been working Congrats. on it. All right. So how can people stay in touch with you? Yeah. Uh, you know, keep in touch and um, slide into your DMs. Give us all the information. My entire social media platform is just at Dalvet. So at my first name, that's Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. I started a Facebook page. It's okay. I started a Facebook page called the Self Love Society with Dalvet Quince. So there's a lot of dialogue going on there about health and and wellness. And I speak to uh, the second book, not third book that I'm writing, which is entitled, what's it going to be entitled, which is pretty cool. Um, And yeah, um, so find me all there. Find me on all the social media platforms and all that good stuff. Awesome. And this is your week. This is Dolvet week. And yes. so we are going to be sharing pictures and videos yes. and sound bites from today. And we'll put all of his information in the show notes. Obviously, we'll decorate our Instagram and social media with it so you guys know how to um, keep in touch and stay inspired as well. And a I'll do the same. I'll do the same for you. Yay. All right, my friend. Thank you so much Thank for being you. here. I'm so glad we did this. All right, guys. Take care. See you on the next episode. Bye. Bye bye. What happens here when I believe this room? So lock the door, put me in, put a finger to my lips. Cause I can't say I've got what I would do. Off the record with you.